Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Bob. He's a four-time tire rotation champion. When he was a baby, his first words were automatic transmission fluid. Bob's so cool, he has engine coolant running through his veins. And then there's Kyle, also known as premium unleaded. Legend has it that Kyle can change your oil with his toes and that he can tell your tire's air pressure just by how you're walking. He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. All right, good Saturday morning to you. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show, 558-1110 is the numbers to get in and uh, let's get in early so we don't, uh, when the lines fill up at the mid part of the show, that we can answer your questions and get to it and let you know what's going on. So we are Buchanan Service Centers at 80th and Dodge, 50th and Dodge, and Guaranteed Brakes, 49th Avenue and Dodge. We do brakes right the first time. So stop in, see us. We're on Dodge. We'll help you fix your car, air up your tires, check your oil, see if you need new tires. You know, we do, we've been doing a lot of tires, haven't we, and Kyle? Yeah, yeah. We've been doing a lot of tires. It's tire season. It is tire season. And, uh, you know, it's tires are one of those things that are, you know, for, for the price of a tire, price of a set of four tires, mm-hmm. and it easily is the difference of your deductible. So if your deductible is $1,000, you can easily put a set of four tires on, not worry about sliding into that car. And tires see, tires are getting more expensive. Way more expensive. Way, 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 way I mean, more we expensive. priced a set of tires. I forget what it was even for, and I was like, you know, I remember buying cars for cheaper than this. Yeah, they they <laughs> they have gone up. They usually that, gone up twice a year, and kind of you know not very much each time. Um, you know, maybe a, a couple percent or something like that. But now they've gone up twice a year at at eight nine percent. So yes, yeah. they have gotten much more expensive very quickly. And supply and demand. There's a whole bunch of people that in pandemic didn't buy tires they didn't need them they were at no. home and makes sense why would you buy tires just let them sit out there and get hard and then all of a sudden everybody started driving and how many cars did we see in that three month window once everything started to come back that oh. complained of a vibration or something and you find mm-hmm. flat spots in the tires because mm-hmm. all the thing did was sit for a year it did and we were we were super super busy once everybody came out of that and started getting their car going and uh you're right. I mean, I probably wouldn't change my tires either. But now no. supply and demand, they, they shut those plants down because they weren't selling any, and now all of a sudden they can't keep back up with demand again. Yeah, they're on triple duty. Yeah, yeah. And hard to find people that want to make tires. Make tires. Work. I was going to say work. That's a dirty job, ma- <laughs> making tires. <laughs> make tires is probably the, the uh, correct term. All right, you know, we were going to get over to one thing, Kyle, that we were talking last week about a, uh, a gentleman called in about an O2 yellow uh, Mustang, Ford Mustang that had a yellow, what he said, jerry can with, with an X in it. Okay. I tell you what, we have searched the internet high and low, and I cannot find something that looks like a jerry can with an X through it. 
Not even went on Craigslist trying to find one for sale. There isn't any for sale in this yeah. town that I yeah. could go test drive just no. to see what this light is. I have one friend that has one, but it's all stored away, and I couldn't get to it to see what it was. But it, uh, the, the only thing we can come up with is a gas light. It looks like a tall gas can with a hose sticking out of it or one I'm that has— one it that, may have something to do with the fuel pump control module. Might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And since he had a fuel pump in that area and he uh, had a gas leak along with it, um, my guess is Things once, have opened up. Things need to get back in there. Yeah. You need to get back in there and get some repairs or some more in-depth repairs, if yeah. you will. Yeah. My guess is once he ever solves that problem, with, uh, solves the problem with the gas, then more than likely the, uh, the gas smell that all that other problem will go away. Done, so. Tom, turkey. Yep. Yep. All right, we've got a couple of calls. We're going to head over to Tom. Tom's got a uh, Honda Accord. Tom, go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. I've been listening to you for years, and uh, 99.9% of the time I agree with everything you say, but I have one question about a guy who last week, I think it was, had a TPMS issue with a Honda, okay. and you you gave several ideas about whether it was just an individual tire sensor or was actual computer issue, mm-hmm. and kind of, if I remember correctly, you kind of indicated that yeah, it was just one of the sensors bad you could have just watched it, check the tire yourself and ignore it. What happens a lot of times with Hondas is, and I think they're unique, Toyotas don't do this, but Hondas will if there is an extended outage or code whatsoever in the TPMS unit, it will eventually um, mess up and turn off the track, traction control and the vehicle skid control. Mm-hmm. So he might, well, he, may, he might well look into that further instead of just disregarding it. Yeah, and then and it's uh, you know good suggestion. And Honda has, and, and they can't really decide what they want to do at Honda, whether it's a it's a, it's a direct system or an indirect system. I just yeah. changed some tires this morning on a, and an indirect system has no TPMS sensors. It all runs off of the ABS, and then right. a direct system just has you know, tire pressure monitors. Well, we we had one Honda Civic in that just no matter what you did to it, it the light was always on. Took it to Honda, yeah. had them check it all out, do everything else. It was still on. It just could not yeah. get it out. Yeah, and, and if you had an ABS issue, it will immediately take out the track or the vehicle skid control, but it will eventually also take out the uh, take out those issues if it's just with a TPMS as opposed sure. to the ABS sensor. Sure. I, in my opinion, there's no reason not to do it in an indir- indirect system. Get rid of all those TPMS sensors. Run completely on an indirect system like they used to do. You know, sure. back in the Regals and the Hondas and Toyotas, and and just you just save so much more money and easier to deal. Very, with, so very good. It makes too much sense. That's why they don't do it. Uh, exactly. Yeah, you got to sell some sort of parts. And in this part of the country, those uh, the, those hard TPMS sensors just corrode away. Yeah, they just corrode away. You go to check the tires, yeah. and boom, they're just gone. Next thing, you're 150 dollars into fixing it. Yes. Yeah. Times four because they've all rusted yeah. away. So. Well, I appreciate the call, Tom. Appreciate the follow-up. Thanks, guys. You bet. All right, we're going to head over to Steve. Uh, John, we'll just head over to John real quick. John, you had the Mustang? Yeah. All right, what's this light look like again? Well, it looked like a jerry can with an X in the middle of it. Turns I... out it's an EVAP purge canister uh, air light. The check engine light did eventually throw. Okay. Uh, a return line was loose. And it was not secured properly at the fuel pump module. Uh, they fixed it, and I cleared the codes, and so far, so good. Good, good. And that's kind of what we thought. There was something 
usually when you got some sort of problem or some sort of leak or smell, you just take one step backwards and go, what did I do? And then once you get up there, right. you take a look at all that stuff. And yeah, because we couldn't find that. Uh, we looked and looked and could not find anything with an X in it. And yeah. Well, don't feel bad. My local Napa store uh, down in the little town where I live, uh, we got online and we couldn't find it either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we found something that was, uh, what did you find, Kyle? Dash lights. Oh, yeah. It was Dash Google just about everything. Yeah. Dashlights.com. Yeah. And it comes There's up with literally a Ford Mustang <laughs> Dashlight.com, and that light was not on there. <laughs> yeah. Weird, huh? <laughs> Got a dot com for everything, don't we? <laughs> All, right. All right, John. Appreciate the call. Appreciate you clearing that up. All right, yeah, it's yeah, there's just, and we've always we've talked about this many times before too. Every every new car has a new light. Yeah, I, I'm surprised they have room for the gauges and the and the. Speedometer. It's always kind of fun to get into some of those. It's kind of sporting in a sense, you know. Like <laughs> the last one I really had to research was they jump started the car backwards, and of course that fries just about everything it's got. Yeah. And then you end up with all these lights when you're done. You got to figure out. Yeah, you got to fix what you know is broken, <laughs> then come back and say, "Well, why are those on?" Well, it could have yeah. jump start backwards and burn it out. Because of course, none of them were on before. No, and the car used, had no issues. We just wanted to jump start it for fun. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it had nothing to do on a Saturday afternoon. Let's go jump start the car. But you know, part of that problem too. There's a cautionary tale right there. Is it used to be very well defined. Uh uh-huh. positive and negative, yeah. Yeah, very well. Nowadays. Def- yeah, they used to be so red much. on the positive and black on the negative. And now when you go underneath the car, um, they're just two cables. Yeah. That's it. And a lot of times when I jump start a car, I always find the ground cable and will follow that over to the to the fender. Sure. Then I know immediately that's the ground one. Mm-hmm. And then the other one obviously is a positive, but it's it's that's the easiest way to identify it because they're both black cables now. Yeah. So it is not the first time that we've had that, and you're right. When you yeah, one will either go over to the fender or some kind of hard metal surface. The other's going to a fuse panel. Mm-hmm. And then when you blow that 120 amp fuse that will last literally the lifetime of the car, mm-hmm. then you have to order one because nobody has it. Nobody. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> or and if you're lucky, that's all you did. If you, if it doesn't have that fuse, which sometimes it's that way. It creates a whole whole. You know, I problem. was working on a newer Ford earlier in the week, and they went back to using fusible links on their alternator. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I thought we were decades away from fusible links. Yeah. So we must have hired a new guy uh, that's that's 82 years old. Yeah. There, I mean, that's the reason we're going back to fusible links. Yeah. Somebody opened a door at the Ford warehouse plant and said, what are we going to do with all these? <laughs> <laughs> and got to use them somehow, and I'm sure they... They don't go bad over a period of time. And it was in a terrible spot to splice, and, you know, some of you may not know this, but every piece of wire is fusible link at some point or another. Yeah, if you put enough amperage to it. <laughs> you bet it certainly is. it is, and, and that's that's how you find the ground mm-hmm. by accident. So. Yep, you bet. All right, uh, 558-1110 is the numbers to get in, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. Fellas, this is a blues-driven bee. Watch me for the changes and uh, try and keep up. Way down in a garage where the oil leaks. Way up under the hood where the engine squeaks. There stood an old car made of rust and wood. There lived a greasy 
boy named Mechanic be good Who never had to learn to read or write so well But he can change your tire like a ring and a bell Go, 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 Mr. Mechanic, go Go, Mr. Mechanic, go Go, Mr. Mechanic, go Go, Mr. Mechanic, go Go, Mr. Mechanic, be good All right, we are back. We are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 the numbers to get in. We answered a few questions already. Got some answers to a few questions. Now we know what a Yeah. Now we know what a gas can or jerry can looks like with an extra. The rest of the show's up to you. Eh, it's all you up. think you can stump us? Call in <laughs> 558-1110. Give us your best shot. It's all downhill from there. We're going to head over to Steve. Steve's got a 2010 Hyundai Tucson. Steve, what's going on? I had a engine. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I've been wanting to get on for a while, sure. uh, but finally decided today's day. Uh, I have a the car that I'm talking about, and I had an engine mount fail. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to work with Hyundai, and there haven't been much help for a lot of different reasons. The first time I reported it, I asked if there had ever been any recalls like this or any incidences, and she gave me a litany of all the things they've had recalls on and fixes that didn't address this, so I hung up on her. Then I wrote back and described the parts that went bad and what had happened, and they sent me a letter that said that uh, here's where you can buy the parts and we can find you a dealer, so I haven't hit the target yet. But anyway, I had a motor mount on the passenger side fail, and that's why I'm describing it because I don't know how to describe it any other way. It's an L-shaped bracket at the top, and it has three studs through it mm-hmm. or, or uh, bolts. And the the part itself is only like four inches long, so it's got a bolt every inch. Mm-hmm. And these are seven sixteenths bolts. Okay. And the guy that fixed it for me took them out, and they had all snapped or sheared about in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've had I've had hot rods, muscle cars, all that. Never had an engine mount uh, fail, and this struck me as kind of unusual that three bolts like that would uh, shear or. Uh, I don't know if they could pull them apart. It looks like more like a shear, but I was thinking maybe it's a torquing problem, design problem, or it's the incorrect metal, problem metal with or something like that. The bolts are made of steel, and they're going into aluminum, and we're in a kind of an area where those two metals don't coincide together. Yep, bingo. It's just it's two dissimilar metals. Um, this is not the only car that has it. Um, they have since redesigned uh, the V6 Toyota's. Uh, like, Entirely, yeah. It, and, but they used to have a problem with it all the time. You, you'd either come out uh, one or two or none of them would come out or they'd all come out. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to buy a, uh, a... You buy the bracket, you buy everything that goes along with it. Yeah, and it's a big mess because there's a bracket that comes over top. Oh, this is on a Toyota, but a bracket that comes over top and another one that bolts to the block and then it, you know, it always snaps off. So Kyle hit the right on the head. It's just steel bolts and aluminum and after a period of time they lock themselves together and it just won't come apart yeah i mean you go to california but that or anywhere them, through the south and they don't have those problems and that didn't cause the motor mount to go bad no motor mounts themselves inherently are just every time you accelerate or put it in reverse or are trying to rip themselves apart every yeah, time you, you know yeah. that but it's that's a totally separate from what the bracket is 
Um, I, I, so it's it's the brackets, aluminum, and the bolts are steel, and it's a dissimilar metal thing. Mm-hmm. That's it why is. they broke. So I mean, your motor mount failed because something? it's a motor mount. Well, you know, it, is it, that something Hyundai could help you with, or do they just say, "Well, that's the way it goes"? Well, it's probably that's the way it goes. Only because if you are in a southern state, this is not an issue. You know, I see. Uh, Yeah, you get in there, throw a motor mount in, be done with it in ten minutes, and we we see some cars that come in from California and Texas or Arizona, and we'll do, let's say, some exhaust on it, and it's like, oh wow, the bolts come out, everything comes out, everything comes out. We can disassemble this and put just this piece back in. Uh, That never happens. And then car that's lived ten years up here is yeah, we're we're replacing. For example, we're replacing three quarters of the exhaust. Why? Because. We that's can't, what it needs. You, that's what it needs, and you can't get it apart, and, and you only have one part broke. But if you touch the other two, it's just going to fall apart in your hand. So you either, A, do everything, or you just leave it alone until it breaks. But, yeah, so they're probably well, not the having an exhaust a, system, but this is like internal under the hood. I wouldn't think it would be that much weatherability yeah, up here. You wouldn't think so, but you it is. Think so. All this salt that, that used to just throw, you know, uh, grains of salt down like they used to do in sand that wasn't a big deal yeah. when, when they went to this brine stuff that we have now it is literally like dipping it in a salt bath it's yeah. just like huh. just driving and, it through a, a creek i and, mean to put it into perspective you're driving down the road behind somebody their car's kicking it up your radiator's sucking it in and blowing it right back out on that engine I yep mean, it's yep exactly just circle like that. of life yeah. i mean we see it taking valve covers off You'll have corroded, broken bolts. Yeah, just I mean, trying to, yeah. Anything. Yeah. So it doesn't look like it'd be worth pursuing. All I can say is, well, Toyota's redesigned theirs. Yeah, it, it's just a, and there's other people, that's just the first one that popped it, uh, off to my head, is that. Well, it, the reason it concerned me is not only did it uh, break, the engine can drop down on the drive shaft, so they had to replace that, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. That, same Whoopee. same kind of yeah Honda had that problem well, got, too the motor mounts go bad on certain Hondas older Hondas not not anything new but older Hondas and yeah to push the uh, axle down and the axle would rub on the frame and next thing you know you'd have a vibration or boom the axle went bad so no it's an it's in a design flaw that um, they probably figured it out and probably doesn't have that anymore on that particular car. Well, that's what I, I thought. Maybe it was a de- either design problem or a torquing problem or. Uh, the materials of the studs might be not quite uh, mm-hmm. what they are. Because whenever I put anything away, whenever I put anything together that has Chinese hardware in it, I usually trade it out because I usually strip the bolts or the nuts yep. or something. Yep, and steel going into steel is a whole lot better than steel going into aluminum because it's just going to aluminum is going to lock onto the threads and out it comes. And there's no there's no forgiveness. Well, once you strip out an aluminum part, you're buying a new one. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that related to what they used to call galvanic corrosion? December metals like I, aluminum and steel wouldn't wouldn't work on certain things together unless you had a barrier you know i'm not 100 percent sure of the word of it it might be i you know i, I can tell okay. you that some asian cars a lot of times you'll see the it's coated completely different on their bolts mm-hmm. um then they'll than be what, blue or some kind of anodized yeah color. the the asian cars or you know honda toyota stuff like that can be totally different stuff than you see somewhere else like in in germany or, or europe well, it was a $1,300 bill by the time I got it all done, but I have mm-hmm. approaching 250,000 miles, so I guess I got my money out of it. You did. Yep. You did. Just one but of those car it's things. Just kind of bad. It's just kind of bad to drop that much all at one time where it looks like, you know, surely the surely the vehicle should stick together. Yeah. But, 
Yep, it's part, okay. of, well, part of the climate. Thank you, guys. You I'll bet. keep it continuing to listen to your show. Thanks appreciate, a lot. Appreciate the call, Steve. Yeah, boy, there, there's something that we go through just every day. Yeah, that's just life. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's just crazy those, how easy the mechanics have it down in, in the southern part of the state, where, states where well, it comes apart so easy. I don't know that I would go that far because, I mean, I have buddies that work down there, and I'll talk to them on the phone. Just, what are you working on today? Oh, something. Just, it's all rusty, you know, and they're like, oh, cool. You know, at least it's a newer car. And, you know, they are got like an 88 Ford Probe, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, I'll that's take my true. rust repair. <laughs> that is true. That is true. There are cars up in this part of the, the climate that just don't survive. And it's it's good they go away because they're a piece of junk to begin with. And you brought the first one up, that Ford. Yeah. That Ford Probe was a pile of junk, and uh, there's the a lot of ignition systems. Yeah, there's, oh, there's, God. there's a lot of other cars that are piles of junk, and uh, up here they just don't they don't hold up. The good ones kind of hold up, but you're right. Yeah, you go down to Arizona and they're still running. I'm lucky enough to have gotten in this career at a point in time where those were like well on their way out the door. Like I've <laughs> I could probably count on both hands, you know, how many I've worked on, and that's too many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there's a lot of, and every manufacturer, you know, we're, we're picking on Ford just a little bit, but there yeah. was, there's every, every had them. General Motors had them, Dodge had them, everybody's got them, you know. And, and we got those cars that aren't out there anymore that were at night with Colt Vista, you know, yeah. Eagle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I just seen it. I just seen an AMC Eagle the other day, four-wheel right. drive AMC Eagle. Did it have wood grain on the side? It had wood grain on the side. Nice. It was a sharp-looking car, too. I'm surprised he was out driving. Come you know? on. It was sharp for that one. <laughs> How innovative were they back then where they had a four-wheel drive SUV kind of? And I mean, they were ahead of the game. Yeah. I Way mean, ahead of the game. The guy that started Subaru looked at those once, and he's like, well, that's been done. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was kind of a blast from the past, and I hadn't seen one in many years because most of them were gone. But this, this guy was driving it around. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in, and we'll be back in a minute. All right. All right. We are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. Let's answer that question for you. We're going to just jump right over into the calls and go to Doug. Doug's been patiently waiting. 12 Nissan Frontier. What's going on, Doug? Well, I think I'm going to answer this question, but I'm going to ask anyhow. Uh, when it was really cold here uh, a week or two ago, uh thing wouldn't start at all, just dead in the post. And it has a stock battery with about two years on it. And I'm just wondering, is that an indicator that the battery is going bad? Because probably, um, you know, it was so cold, it would, it would just click when you turn up. Then two days later, it started just fine. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of things going on there, potentially. So did you have good lights and... and uh, or was it just like stone dead, nothing there? Oh no, there was lights, but it just it just would just click. It would not the engine would not actually turn over at all. Okay, and that's when you know, it was like <laughs> ten below at night, fifteen below at night, whatever. Well, in the morning I tried to start it. Dead battery is a dead battery. Yeah, dead battery. You're not going to have any lights or anything like that. I mean, yeah. Generally, you know, in that kind of weather, when a battery goes dead, it's going to freeze solid. Yeah. You're not going to have any lights. You're not going to have nothing. But, it's not. Then I did. It, I actually started two days later. I just started without jumping. It just yeah. started right up. Yeah, it's not a, a dead battery. Is a dead battery. It's going to be once it sits over in that kind of temperature, um, a battery without electricity, and it's just water, and water is going to freeze. So sure. I would probably lean more to a bad connection. Connection or starter. starter. Right. 
I'm going to try to duplicate the problem, then I'm going to get down there. First place I'm going to go is a starter. Mm-hmm. Do I have signal going to this starter? If I do, and it's just clicking, that starter's bad. Right. Well, and you can start. That being said, I've had I've had trouble with Nissan batteries in the past, but invariably when it goes out, it's the only battery I can find. So that's why I've gone with it the last two times. But I'm just going to, I think, maybe just replace and put a bigger battery in, but I'll make sure it's really clean the connections. Right. And that may be part of the issue as well. But yeah. um, this car is supposed to take like a group 35, but I've also had people tell me I could put group 24 in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there may if be they enough. they got room, yeah. Yeah, if they got room. Yeah, yeah, a lot of cars do that. Some most cars are pretty specific because they only have enough room. They've only allotted so much room to put it right. in. But yeah, the they, uh, other cars say yeah, you can put a, a smaller thirty five or a bigger twenty four or twenty four F. Yeah. Okay, so right now it's basically got a five hundred and fifty cranking amp battery. If I went to a seven, might that be beneficial again if the connections are all clean? Sure, oh, sure, sure. It's not so much the okay. size of the battery; it's the amp, it's the the amperage and the cold can, cranking amps that you're at. Right. Right. Because that battery okay. is a little bigger, doesn't necessarily mean that you're not getting the, the same thing in just a bigger battery or you know bigger size battery. So, yeah, mm-hmm. more power you got, the better you're able it's going to start. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. All guys. right, appreciate the call, Doug. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to head over to Mike. Mike's got a Crown Vic. Mike, what's going on? Got a 1987 Crown Vic and a 85 Crown Vic. They do this every year when it uh, gets real cold. I just wondering if you had any suggestions. The, they both sat outside, so every time you go out there, the doors would be fro. All four doors would be froze shut on, on both of them. Is there any? Uh, they have problems maybe getting moisture in there. I've even put tarps over it so moisture wouldn't get in it, but they still freeze. You know, you couldn't open the handles. Yes. Okay. So the handles wouldn't come up at all, or just right. the, the handles. Right. The handles come up, and the door just is not coming open. No, they they won't even come up at all. Ford was great about putting this heavy white grease on everything. Mm-hmm. Ignition. I mean, I can't tell you how many ignition racks I put in those early Fords, and, and you got to get in there with solvent and clean all that grease out. Just gets sticky. I'd imagine the belt moldings along the windows probably aren't all that tight against the window like they were when they were new. So any water that hits them can kind of go down in it and kind of freeze some of that mechanism in there. Um, You know, the only thing that you can really do other than clean all that white grease off of there is go around the rubbers and the seals with some penetrating fluid and just wipe them all down and spray some penetrating fluid in the locks, maybe a mechanism and all that kind of stuff but uh or any kind of light oil something that's not going to freeze yeah something that's not going to freeze you know some good penetrating oil you know wd-40 might not be the thing to yeah use, but pb blasters f45 something like yeah, that. yeah yeah we usually use something you know wd-40 is great for doing a lot of things but it, it washes away too quickly um some oh. of the some of the heavier um, some of the penetrating oils that we have just stick around a lot longer. They got Teflon in them, and the Teflon in them is is all the all the difference in the world. The Teflon, okay. Yeah, find okay. Find some with def, Teflon in it. A Zep, uh, Zep products have that kind of in it, and it works really good. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I I drive uh, try driving you know every day, and and it gets frustrating when it gets really cold. They just don't want to open. Yeah. <laughs> 
open the doors, spray that uh, penetrating fluid in there, and you know, and just work the door back and forth, open and close it, open and close it, get it all worked in there. So much to the so that it's just kind of running out the door. You know, oh. I mean, it's not just a squirt here, squirt there. You got to load it in there. Okay. All right. Well, thank thank you so much. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. That big, thick, heavy grease, and when it gets down to nine below, it's, uh, it's nothing concrete. wants to move. <laughs> nothing wants to move. You know, it's kind of like when you start your car up at nine degrees, and all of a sudden it's whining and crying. And there's noises squeaking. you don't have on a hundred degree day. No, no, not even on a not even on a ten degree day. <laughs> but when it gets nine below, all those noises come out. And, you know, new cars, old cars, old cars for sure. Yeah. All right, we're going to head over to Jay. Jay's got a Hyundai Santa Fe. Jay, what's going on? Hi. It's uh, a simple question, I think, but nobody seems to be able to tell me how to fix it. I, the radio, the AM went out, and uh, uh, FM works fine. But the uh, suddenly now I can get KFAB. I've just been listening to you on it, driving my car, and uh, 590. But the rest of the uh, stations don't work. Somebody told me it could be the antenna. Somebody told me... Uh, I need a new radio. So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that. Both of those make a lot of sense. They do, but but the you're getting you're getting KFAB and you're getting 590. So that tells me that everything is probably in pretty good shape on the antenna side anyway. Mm-hmm. That it'd probably be a radio. Yeah, it's just okay. So uh, an AM radio, a radio can uh, go bad like that. So some of the stations work and some of them don't. Sure it, it just didn't make sense to me that I could get some stations and not others. But most of the time, if you're going to have a poor connection on on the on the uh, on, on the antenna side, it's it's a poor connection for everybody. Mm-hmm. The, the, everybody on on the dial or everybody in that boat has got a bad connection on it. You can certainly go back and, and take a look at the back of the radio, make sure that it hasn't wiggled loose and you know it's just kind of dangling on the back of the radio. That's probably what I would do. Uh, because those are, they're just push in for the most part. They're not bolted in. They're just kind of the antennas are. Uh, There's cool. also a connection behind the glove box for the antenna. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would do. I would go check the connection at the antenna, make sure that the cord is pushed all the way into the back of the radio. Um, they can certainly wiggle them way loose. Well, I've had them come in where they say, I just lost a- AM. Well, we went back there, and sure enough, it wiggled out. So Okay, so I take it to a garage, and I can tell them, uh, they'll know where to look for this stuff. I'm not able to take that radio out of it. So yeah, yeah would, and sometimes you can reach up back behind there and get to it. Sometimes you got to pull the face off in order to get get to it. But it's yeah. Otherwise, okay. otherwise, yes, it's time for a different radio. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. I would just like to get a um, and then some days, you know, depending on the weather, on like a day like today, the most some of the stations work, and then on other days when it's I don't know hot or whatever it is, they don't work. Yeah, it could and be. So that just makes. Could be the radio station and the signal, you know. I mean, yeah. we're on KFAB, so you know it's the strongest signal around. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's why it's it's popping through in your radio. It it, it can get there. But okay. you you really only need to listen to that station anyway, don't you? <laughs> we don't care. We don't care about the rest. Sometimes you don't have sports on. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I appreciate okay. the call, right, well, thank Jay. Thank you for your time. You bet. You bet. All right, we're going to head over to Bob. Bob's got a follow-up. Question of the busted bolt. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Okay. This is going to sound off the wall. I'm an 80-year-old man 
I was a truck driver for 11 and a half years, and I was a pilot car for 42 years. I got millions and millions of miles under me. Yeah. And I've had nothing but all kinds of weird problems in my lifetime, and I've solved them by different ways. And Bolts was one of them. But here's here is something that's so unusual that nobody thinks about. If there's a product on the market, it's very uh, available everywhere. It's called Recto Seal Five Pipe Dope. Now that may sound weird. You coat your uh, bolts with that, and in the hole, you put your bolts back in. Give it a coat job on the nut and everything, and. Uh, for some reason, corrosion don't like that pipe dope because we found that out on water lines when I was servicing mobile homes. Huh. Uh, you go back 25 years later, and uh, the lines will come right off. It's unbelievable. And it seals. And also, uh, grounding a uh, a problem area. That was another thing that I've had strange things happen. I lost wheel bearings. Lost nine sets of wheel bearings. On a Ford Ranger, I couldn't. They tried everything. I come up with a solution. I put simple ground straps uh, from the um, A-frame back to the grounds and stopped the problem dead in its tracks, and no more electrolysis is eating up my bearings. Huh. So some some of the weirdest things can work, but this guy ought to try Recto CO5. Uh, it's a pipe dope. Yeah. This, like I said, it's weird, but it works. Yeah, well, that's great information. Yeah, we you know we use the pipe dope when we uh, change, you know, gas handles a lot of times, and that that mm -hmm. stuff seals it up. You don't have any problem with it. The, exactly. Uh, the, the the ground strap for the the wheel bearings, though, I, I find that intriguing. You know, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, that. Well, after losing, you know, all them sets of bearings got pretty damn costly. Yeah, and I I, I know a lot of old time mechanics and. Uh, they kept going back to electrolysis, electrolysis, and I go, well, I think I can fix that. And that's when I had the uh, ground straps uh, <clears throat> from the uh, A-frame welded back in and bolted back into the framework, and the problem stopped it. Yeah, I could see that. You know, we used to have a, a lot of electrolysis problems with those cars back in the 70s and 80s where the radiator hoses would go bad all the time. You know, they yeah. – once they figured that out and solved that problem, we just don't do radiator hoses as much as we used to. We we don't even stock them anymore because we don't need to. Yeah. You know, if you remember back way 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 back, and I go way way back, uh, in some cars they used to drag a grounding strap yep. behind them to keep the electrolysis down. Yep, I seen that. I still see that. Not so much now, but I still see that kind of like down in Arizona trying to trying to dissipate the electricity off the car so well I appreciate the call Bob it's, it's great information somebody out there will uh in in Mr. Mechanic land will use that for sure so all right I, so yeah you know just never know you got to have those old old guys that know what it is and how to solve that problem mm -hmm. and we're those old guys yeah all right five five eight eleven ten is the numbers to get in we'll be back in a minute all right, we are back at the Mr. Mechanic Show, fixing cars, having fun, trying to get all the problems solved today. I don't know. We need one more caller. One more caller. Let's one more caller. Let's get it in here to round out the day, you know. I, you know, here's uh, I got a, I got an interesting uh, article I read here. Depreciation. What, what do you think? Who's, who's leading the depreciation? I'll tell you. 
Well, it's going to have to be an expensive car. It's going to. You're right. You're. They're all pretty much there. <laughs> so it's sixty nine per sixty. Excuse me, not sixty nine. Fifty nine point nine percent is going to be a BMW seven series. You don't say. Yeah. And, oh, number two. At at uh, fifty six point three is a Maserati. Jaguar is number three. Infinity, Cadillac Escalade. I, I kind of see that. And at what rate are they judging this depreciation? Uh, Five you years, know, two years, one year? Uh, I the didn't... second you drive it off the lot? It's... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Mercedes it was uh, S-Class was 51%, all the way down to an Expedition, which is about 50%. Yeah. That was just kind of across the board in certain cars, and, you know, it's just – one notable one that that I did not see in there, which I thought was kind of interesting, that I I mean, there's certain cars that, that just don't appreciate uh, depreciate like trucks. A, well, trucks, you know, those high high end Ferrari doesn't depreciate, you know. No, but nobody uh, needs a Ferrari. Well, people want a Ferrari. Yeah, well, there's a difference between need and need and want, Kyle. You know that. Yeah. I mean, what you if they built a truck, I'd probably you know I'd drive it. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I didn't see Range Rover on here, and I know they depreciate pretty hard, real hard. Yeah. Um, you know, your Ferraris don't depreciate. They appreciate. That's yeah. why you buy them. Um, some of those real expensive cars, like a Koenigsegg or something like those, those appreciate. For You know, you're spending $2 million a car. Yeah. You know the best way to turn, you know, $2 million into $3 million? What's What's that? Start with two million. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. You just and it's just got to know what you're getting into. And those cars are luxury cars and they're great cars. But uh, you know, if they're only worth half their value after five years, and that's pretty much where that mark was. Is after five years. Ah. So what have you? There's a lot of other cars that don't do that. Yeah. All right. We're gonna head over to uh, John. John's got a 2020 Toyota Hybrid. John, what's going on? Hey, uh, it's all all good here, but uh got a question. I've always been kind of a fanatic on my oil changes and do it myself and, and go all the way back. I'm 70 years old, and I've always done them. And I got kind of all excited and thought that they're all, they're all talking this 10,000-mile oil, and I bought this new Toyota Hybrid, and I wanted to keep it at optimum condition. And I kept telling everybody, yep, I'm, my oil changes are down to a minimum now. Because I bought a, a put, mine's got this new synthetic oil in it. Right. Well, then, well, then I was going through and looking for something else on repair, and I'm looking at YouTube's, and down below there was a thing on a on uh, a motor, and it looked like uh, it was on a Camry, and it was a newer one or fairly new, and they were saying this this guy down in Texas was tearing them down, and he said that he had to tear this engine down because a woman said it was using a quart of oil at 150,000 miles. And I'm going, well, you know, is that common or what? He says, you would not use virtually no oil, but he says, I see this all the time. It's because she was changing her oil at 9,500 to 10,000 miles with synthetic oil. And I thought, so I'm, am I doing dirt to my motor? So I said that, and it also, he said that you go to the dealership thinking you're getting the best bang for the buck and i have a son-in-law that works for the dealership that confirmed this and he says they buy they go in and buy bulk oil synthetic at the cheapest bid they can get 
they go out and get a bid, fill their whole tank up, and you get what you get, and they don't do you no big favors. You think you're getting the best. But my bottom line is now I put mobile. I have mobile one sitting there ready to go into it, synthetic, zero W20. And I was going to put it in, wait till spring. Heard this guy's report. So I turned around and uh, middle of the winter, I dumped the oil out. I mean, you know, drained it, put the new filter on and filled it up. And, uh, you know, I used a good brand oil and everything, but it's, is that that true, that that 10,000-mile oil is actually not doing any justice to your car? Well, I've seen the same video. I've seen the same technician well, that, that tore them apart. Okay. And, uh, yeah, no, I've, yeah, seen, yeah. I've, I've seen it, and it, it's what it was. Okay. So You know what I'm talking about. Yep. So I guess I don't really follow the 10,000-mile, 20,000-mile oil change. We usually put them at about 6,000 miles, and here's the reason. Oil's cheap. All you got to do is call the parts department, find out what a brand new engine costs. When it, when they tell you it's going to be $8,000 or $12,000, it's not very hard to discern between the two, which is the easiest way to go. And okay. oil's cheap. I, I Go every five, go every six. I agree with you. Okay. I just want to know if you felt there's any substantiation between that. So thank you guys. For you bet, John. You appreciate the call. All right. Well, that's another fast hour for us on uh, the Mr. Mechanic Show. So uh, 558-1110 is the numbers to get in early next week. I'm Bob. Kyle. We'll see you next week. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.